The 2011 National Draft was one of the first really big nights in the Giants' history. With 11 of the first 15 picks, the Giants brought together a bunch of scrawny teenage boys who would form a major part of their original AFL squad. They moved from their homes around Australia to Sydney, where it was up to them and a handful of other pre-draft recruits and coaches to get the league's 18th team on its feet. Almost eight years later, ten of those originals remain at the Giants, having helped steer the club through some bumpy times and through some much better times. Award-winning journalist Emma Quayle has caught up with each of them to talk about their individual journey as a Giant and what they've seen happen to their team in that time. Welcome, Dylan Shield, to our podcast, which is called The Originals, but you're not happy with that. Yeah, I, um, Jeremy, Cameron and I took great offence when we, we heard that uh, this had come about, The Originals series, so uh, we're looking forward to the next series, the pre-originals. Pre-originals. Since, since that uh, Jezza and I were, were at the club 12 months before, um, the rock stars got drafted into the footy club, <laughs> so... <laughs> no, but happy happy to be on, and um, yeah, I like yeah, that. I might even be able to share some some pre originals uh, experiences with exactly, you. Exactly, some things that they don't even know. That's right. Yeah. Well, tell me about it. Tell me about um, there being a seventeen year old finishing off school, and this new club comes to you and says we want you to move up and play for us before we actually even exist properly. Yeah. So yeah, it's back in um, two thousand and ten. Um, I'm. You know, just starting my year 12, uh, my last year at Caulfield Grammar, which um, you came out to do a, an interview with right. myself and Tom Bug. Who when were, I was at the age. Were, yeah, yep. were at, at Caulfield Grammar. So, um, Tom had very big hair. Yeah, he did. Yep. Yeah, and he used to wear a helmet as well during games, which was, was pretty funny to, to look at. Um, so I, I remember about start of year 12, 2010, they, I think they were just announcing that there was going to be a team that they were going to start out in the western suburbs of Sydney. And we, we'd only really just got news about the Gold Coast team um, that they were going to be existing. So, um, yeah, I wasn't quite sure how that was going to come about, um, who was eligible for it. Um, initially, I thought I was eligible for the Gold Coast team. Oh. I, I just got the year mixed up, but I, yeah. was, I was sort of... I was pretty excited to head to Gold Coast because I actually have some family that live on surface. So, um, yeah. The thought of that sort of excited me, but I so you thought yeah. you'd slot into their yeah their first draft year or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and I, obviously I got got the years mixed up. So yep. I um yeah, I obviously later discovered that I was going to be eligible for the for the uh, team GWS team as it was called back then. We didn't have a the Giants name or even colours. So um, yeah, I was just went about my normal year twelve year. I was yeah sixteen, turning seventeen at the time, and. You know, uh, just playing school football and tack cup football, and even a bit of local footy. So, as a usual, yeah. <laughs> usual up and coming uh, footballer, you're playing for three, four, multiple teams. Yeah, playing so, um, everywhere. Yeah, I was halfway through my my year twelve football season, and um, Graham Gubby Allen uh, came to one of my games, um, and fortunately enough, I I was able to play a pretty good game that day, and um, he gave the uh, parents the tap on the shoulder that um, their son would be coming to up to Western Sydney at the year's end. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a different way to to find out you're going to be getting drafted. It wasn't like the, uh, the yeah, build-up of a draft night. the suspense night. and yeah, the waiting. And, and your name getting called out. It was just a subtle tap on the shoulder after a, a school game. And, 
you know, I had to go to school on Monday after that as well. So it wasn't like I had to, <laughs> got to celebrate too much. No, nah, absolutely. And was it, so it was literally sort of the club saying, we're going to pick you and you're coming up. There wasn't any sort of wooing of you, I suppose, and talking you into the idea of well coming to this team? Yeah, I guess um, the club was given a lot of uh, concessions to obviously start a club from scratch. So part of that, they were allowed to pick 12 17-year-olds uh, born... Uh, in 1993, before April, yeah, it was the first 30. four months. Wasn't yeah, first it? Yeah. four months. So I, I was born in March. I fell into that category, and um, they were able to sort of notify the the boys at any stage throughout the year that that they were going to pick them up. Um, so yeah, it was um, the club. Obviously, were had to sell the footy club because, and you know, a, you know, there's always a choice. Uh, the, the player and the family could could say no and we could wait to the the draft the following year but it just didn't make sense for me because I was fortunate you know I was, I was going to finish year 12 yep. at a year younger than everyone in the year level as it was so if I said no to joining the Giants I was going to have to you know go to uni for a year and play you know a year of tack cup footy or you know find a, a part-time job yeah um or it was go up to Western Sydney, play in the, the state league competition, the VFL equivalent up there, and be coached under Kevin Sheedy and Mark Williams. So it was sort of a, a no-brainer. Um, and I was also going to be getting... Yeah, yeah the, you know, be under an AFL program. and Yeah, yeah. and getting started, I suppose. Yeah, that's Was it. it important for your parents, I suppose, that they knew where you were going, where you'd be living, who'd be looking after you, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, yeah, the club did a fantastic job in... Um, in, in setting up, you know, the club from, from nothing. So they, through the help of the Craig Lambert and, and Melissa uh, Lambert family, uh, the welfare team, they um, were a huge, huge success for the club in, in getting players settled into, into Western Sydney. So they, the club toured us um, up uh, towards the end of the year in 2010 and, and toured me through Western Sydney, Breakfast Point, where they were putting up the players initially, um, you know, Blacktown, where the club is going to be set up, where we hope to be set up, and where Rudy Hill RSL, where we were going to be set up for 12 months, and then also you know showed around Sydney Olympic Park, where Spotless Stadium, um, back then Skoda Stadium, was was being uh, prepared. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it was it was appealing. I, I mean, coming from no AFL background or experience, just the thought of you know being part of an AFL club and the you know the start of an AFL club was. It was incredibly exciting, and and I'm sure everyone who uh, joined the Giants or Team GWS that that year was just thrilled to have an opportunity. Yeah, maybe that's what we call the next podcast, Team GWS. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> what? Because what did you wear in that NAFL year? Oh no, uh, did you still have the? So, yeah, so you the, didn't have orange. Yeah, we did. Did you? So, like I said, I was 2010. I was drafted through my year 12 year, but then so I moved up October 2010. Did the preseason for the yep. 2011. Neefal season, and during that summer they announced the Giants' name and colours. Okay. So I moved to Sydney, and that first week they yeah unveiled the. They did all of that. The colours. So I think that. it was was it blue and red yeah, and white yeah, the, or something the ta- in the Tat Cup. Yeah, the Tat Cup team was blue, white, and yeah. red. Maybe yeah. Okay, if you were straight into the orange and charcoal. Yeah. Were you disappointed in a way not like not to get your draft night and not to have what most players have? Um, initially. Yeah, probably as a you know a seventeen, eighty year old, eighteen year old, you, you're sort of growing up, hoping to get drafted. You sort of in your mind, you sort of visualise 
what their feeling what of being be drafted like. is going to be like. Yeah. And sort of really took a, a right-hand turn um, halfway through my year 12 year. It's like you're not going to the draft. You're going to be pre-selected. So it wasn't like the worst scenario. Yeah. But, um, you know, after a bit of time went past, it didn't matter. I mean, once someone steps into a footy club, it doesn't matter what, what number they have next to their name. Um, you know, and blokes like John Patton and... Lockie Whitford and Tom Scully would would, um, would agree with me. Um, yep. So, yeah, uh, blokes like myself, um, Thomas Bug, Adam Trelaw, Tim Golds, we were just thrilled to, to be on the list. To be there and, yeah, be doing it. Yeah, we, yeah. we, we would consider ourselves <laughs> better than than the top three picks because we were, we were picked well, in the negatives. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And you've gone through a year and everyone's just said, well, he would have been number one nah. pick or he would have been a top three. Or... Yeah, would have. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, I'm glad we never found out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was thinking about it the other day, thinking that although you moved up with 11 other kids who were very highly rated, would have been top three picks, all of you. Um yeah, there are also a bunch of guys weren't there playing Neeful who were just, you know, really trying to get a spot on the inaugural list. It was seemed like there were two very distinct groups. Did you feel that, that you were surrounded by a lot of guys who were really desperately pushing to yeah, abs- try and be a giant? Absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, everyone's going to be going through their own sort of uh, battles as a player and, and aspirations as a, you know, with their career. Um yeah, like I said, there was the 12, 17-year-olds that were selected. Um, um, and then we also had a, a number of zone selections through the New South Wales yep. um, region. and QNT also, boys? Yeah, yep. yeah, Northern Territory boys. Um, Kirtley Hampton was one of them. Um, and then we were able to obviously get a lot of mature age players. So guys, you know, from the VFL, like Steve Clifton was a two-time Lister medalist. Yeah, um, that's right. Jonathan Giles, who was come off the um, the list at Port Adelaide. Um, so we were able to give guys, um, you know, who were in there, we went for, I think, mid to young 20s, op- opportunity to to have a you know, another crack at, their, at an AFL career. So sort of guys at different, different levels, different stages of their career. Um, but to be honest, no one really spoke or thought about it during the year like we were just pumped to be you know in a big city new city everyone away from home it just almost felt like we're on a long football camp together yeah okay um yeah like you know the turnover of players from that particular year was was pretty big like there's there's only two players remaining from that year and jeremy cameron and myself nathan nathan wilson obviously left at the end of last year but um yeah like it was just a it was a really fun year and you know like um yeah you know, I still speak to a few of the guys from from that that year from 2011 um yeah and and obviously guys were you know desperate to get on the AFL list because even though we were drafted in that year to the Giants uh we weren't guaranteed a, a spot on the AFL list so yeah. um you still had to put in the work and and um just prove make yourself sure of yeah it. yeah well, Alex Carey was one of those guys, wasn't he? Who was up yeah. around that time? Yeah, he's obviously one of your your good friends. Yeah, um, he's one of a good good friend of mine, one yeah. of the best mates. Well, he's and he is someone who he had such a massive work ethic, didn't he? And he would would have been up here trying every day to to try and make the list. Yeah, so um, Alex was actually up at the the Giants twelve months before myself, so he was a pre pre yeah. original. <laughs> um, so yeah, Alex. Um, 
was a couple of years older than myself. He was the same same year as as Tom Scully and and Dustin Martin, those sort of guys. Yep. So he missed out on the draft and um, came to Team GWS Tac Cup team in 2010. Played that year and then um, played the NEFL with uh, myself and the other guys the following year. And yeah, unfortunately, he wasn't given an opportunity to to play in the AFL season. So yeah. If you're talking a little about him, he's yeah a great friend of mine. Um, you know, I speak to him weekly about all things life and and you know sport and uh, fortunately professional sport. Now that he's he's um you know sort of risen in the cricket ranks. Um, and you know it's uh, it's been a great great story and journey. Like watching watching him go about his career um, and the not setbacks he's had to face, but obviously um, the resilience he's shown to recover from them. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's a good part of well, being part of any football team. There's people at different levels of talent, different amounts of – or different attitudes, different work ethics, all that sort of stuff. Like you all can sort of rub off on each other, I suppose, um, when yeah. you're figuring out what it takes to, to be good at what you do. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um you get a lot of different sort of characters and you know personalities at, at a at a football club and um, yeah you know, we in this the start of a of the Giants' existence we had a, a professional rugby player uh, come to the club in Israel Folau who had already sort of set himself in in the uh, the rugby the rugby world as a as an absolute superstar. Um, we got uh, you know elite. Um, pack of, of young kids coming into the system uh, we've got uh, you know Kevin Sheedy who is a, a champion coach um, at, at Essendon and, and then Mark Williams who's the the only premiership coach at, at Port Adelaide and a terrific teacher of the game um, so it was yeah it was it was really really good to be able to learn off off everyone surrounding you that year yeah and you were able to do it without that I suppose being under the AFL spotlight really when you? you got that needful year and Got to, I suppose, figure some things out and get used to living away from home and doing all that stuff without having to rock oh, we, up and play AFL we did on the it, We did it in the darkness. There, yeah. was, there was no light on us <laughs> at all. Out, nah. And probably it's only starting to shine on us a little bit out here, but it's ama- it was amazing. You know, growing up in Melbourne, um, I was a Carlton, Carlton supporter growing up. I used to go to the MCG almost you know, every second weekend, um, and I was really amongst the, the football world. and. You, you move out to Western Sydney to to start your actual AFL career, and um, yeah, uh, quickly uh, learnt how uh, irrelevant football was out in the Western Sydney region. And, and did you um, hate that initially, like being oh, a real? F- yeah. Oh, I didn't love it. Yeah, because yeah. you know, uh, it was it was difficult to, to sort of comprehend. You, get, you used to go. I used to go out to um, schools and you know do our uh, you know appearances in clinics um, in the Western suburbs, and um, you know. Just kids just didn't know what AFL was or couldn't grasp the concept, and um, it was a really difficult and challenging, you know, challenging year in terms of trying to grow the game from nothing because um, we're going to a really the most diverse region in in um, Australia, where you know rugby is already pre-existing, soccer's and you know global sport that had a, its mark on on Sydney as it was, and um, AFL was basically non-existent. So yeah, it was it was different to go from um, one extreme to the other, and yeah, like I'm um, to see where we've got to now. It's been an incredible journey. That's the payoff, I suppose. Like, yeah, you dream about walking into a club and playing in front of eighty thousand people at the MCG, but this has just been a completely different experience. And you, you guys have really had to be the ones who got it going. Yeah, um, and I, I heard, yeah, it, it's 
it's been an incredible journey and I um you know, I, I often reflect on my years early years at the Giants and I, I honestly wish I could go back and, and do it all again with the same amount of guys and I wouldn't change anything because it's it's something that not many people get to experience. Yep. Um, you know, we talk about the current clubs, you know, the big clubs in Melbourne and, and around Australia who have been around for 100 plus years and you can only imagine what it would have been yeah. like starting starting a club back then and, and who the original founders and, and players were. And, yeah, absolutely, and, yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're one of them up here in, in at the Giants, so it's pretty special when you th- look, at, look at it like that, um, that's for sure. Don't miss your chance to be a world record holder. PCYC, Youth and Crime Prevention Command and the Giants will attempt a Guinness World Record after the Giants versus West Coast game by having 1,000 people complete a 30-minute boxing class at Spotless Stadium. The attempt will take place immediately following the final siren of the match on Saturday, May 12. To register, head to giants.afl forward slash PCYC. That's giants.afl slash PCYC. Now a preview of next week's episode featuring forward Jeremy Cameron. Looking back, I don't know how we did it. We were travelling out to Blacktown, but we are training on a baseball field at the start. There was no space. There was like the baseball mounds, like the pitching mounds. They were, they were in, everything was in place. So like you'd go up for a contest one-on-one and you'd be on the baseball where the guy pitches it and you're like, wow, like... Is this how AFL clubs really go? Like, is this how they run? Yeah, didn't know any difference, so I was happy to obviously do it. And now they're out there checking the oval if it's too soft, too firm every second of the day, you know. <laughs> I know, we're spoilt now. So, And then the guys waltz in, the draftees now, and, oh, look at this place, it's amazing. Like, how good, you've had it so good for so long, and they have no idea unless you show them a photo or a video pops up from way back then. That's Jeremy Cameron on next week's episode of The Originals. Now back to Emma and Dylan. What are some of your other favourite memories from the early days? Like when you, you're sort of at Blacktown, but you didn't really have a have a steady home, did you, out there? Like, No. Um, yeah, I guess um, just the, uh, the set-up... And so where where players were at in their lives when we moved up here, like I, yeah, we moved up here. Most of the guys were seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. So I I had hadn't got my license yet. So I was really um, I was relying on guys who had their license to commute around Sydney. So I used to um, everyone used to get into the the mini bus that the Lamberts had, <laughs> and they used to shuttle us out yeah. on the M4 half an hour out to Blacktown or to the Rudy Hill RSL where the club was was uh, based for that 12 months and um, for the listeners I'm trying to like describe this as best I can but we're talking about the Rudy Hill RSL based um, a, a long way out west um, and we were our football club was based on the dance floors that they had above the level above where the the gaming room was so it was probably not ideal for an elite football club but we somehow made it work yeah um, you make do i suppose and at the rsl at 11 a.m every day they have the the minute silence and, ah, yep. and no matter what we were doing whether we were in the middle of an intense meeting or wait session, wait or, session whatever. or something kevin sheedy made sure we dropped whatever we were doing at 11 a.m stand up every day and stop and and give them you know participate in the minute silence so um i like yeah, that it's pretty interesting yeah, yeah. We, we and because we were a lot of us were under eighteen, we had to get special permission to get into to the actually RSL. be in there. Yeah, 
which is pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> that is. Who are your like best friends from that, that from those days? Um, so yeah, Alex Carey, yeah, as we touched on before, he, I lived with him during that that season, and and um, yeah, he, so from there he was yeah one of my best mates. Uh, Thomas Bug, uh, obviously went to Caulfield Grammar with prior to coming up to Sydney. He opted to st- stay down in Melbourne to finish out his finish it off. high school year because yep. he was the year below me. But I used to come up and obviously we used to, used to crash it at my apartment in Brecky Point when he used to come up yep. for a few games. Um, obviously, yeah, Jer- Jeremy, who's is, we're still together, we've been playing footy for eight years now. Um, and blokes like Jonathan Giles, who's well, Joni Man Giles, who's been to yep. er, almost every state bar Queensland <laughs> for football. He has actually, hasn't he now? Um, yeah. And Stevie Clifton as well. You know, so Jack Homsch, who's um, at Port Adelaide as well. So some really terrific guys and, and people that um, I like to keep in touch with. Probably not as often as what I'd like, but yeah, still life great kind of takes yeah. over, I suppose. Yeah. It's interesting because guys started moving pretty quickly, really. Like, you were all up here for that year, and then even, the I suppose, the draftees were here for a year or two with you, and then they start, yeah, moving on and getting traded, and like that actual group didn't have that much time together Yeah, as a whole in yeah, the end. Yeah, right. It's, um, yeah, and it was probably always going to be the case, we get these massive influx of players to start up a club, and um, not everyone's going to have an opportunity. Yeah, there's going to be movement. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're so young, so it's going to be very hard to retain, yeah, so many young players, so naturally players are going to go seek opportunity elsewhere and um yeah i think other clubs took advantage of that yep so you're going to tell me about the early days of coach uh dating the coach's daughter are we allowed to go there yeah we can go there <laughs> like i said I, i'll hit it for six or I'll play <laughs> straight back um, did you have to like go to go to choco and ask permission first or uh, yeah. <laughs> how did you handle that um yeah it was it was an interesting time so i yeah obviously uh, moved to Sydney, um, and um, you know everyone's sort of new to Sydney. No one really knows anyone outside yep. of the footy club. And I met um, met Georgie at one of the um, club functions that we had at the Breakfast Point Country Club there um, after one of the uh, NAB Cup games in 2011. And yeah, just um, got got to know her because they were obviously they were her family was residing in breakfast point at the time as well so you used to see her around a bit and yeah they yeah. all yeah moved from home as well really yeah. um i am um, obviously was was thinking seriously about my career and where i need to get to and I, I saw an opportunity to uh <laughs> to date the, the coach's daughter at the time because I, I was really desperate to elevate myself and took advantage of that <laughs> nah, she'll love that no nah, she was yeah. <laughs> i often remind her of that yeah uh no, no I, I just uh a funny one i mean yeah, love is love, I guess. So it yeah. doesn't matter how it presents itself or what situation you're in. Um, yeah, just uh, yeah, I guess fell fell in love with Georgie at a, in, during an interesting situation, and um, she just happened. Her dad just happened to be uh, my boss at the time, and um, yeah, it was an interesting one. One story that I, I sometimes share uh, about the whole situation was um, getting a, a tap on the shoulder at training of all places. Um, and to come for a walk uh, around the the oval during, yep. while the guys were still training. Okay. Uh, these were in the early weeks when I started uh, spending probably a bit too much time with Georgie, and he just said to me, um, "You know, uh, obviously you're spending some time with my daughter," and I've sort of mumbled, "Yes, yes, <laughs> I am." And he goes, "Now look, mate, I can't, um, I can't be seen giving you any advantages at the footy club." Um, so if anything, I'm going to be twice as hard on you. Yeah. And 
<laughs> and that's it. Get back to training. And I was like, okay. All right. Didn't, no questions, no complaints. I just went back and nodded your head and straight back. Yeah. Didn't look and didn't look at him. Didn't make eye contact with him for, for about six weeks after that. <laughs> was, Do you follow through with that? Was he twice as hard? Yeah. And he still is. Um, yeah. He's a, yeah. No, Mark's been a, a huge influence on my career. He loves you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt like I've probably earned the respect, um, of his family. Um, which was pretty hard work early days. Like she was, uh, she's one of five kids. Um, obviously with a with a pretty influential and intimidating father. But um, nah, fortunately, I broke through that barrier and we have a really good uh, you know relationship with with her family. Um, and we often you know obviously spend a lot of time in Melbourne with them when we can. Um, but yeah, you know, um, my relationship with Mark is. You know, is has been fantastic, and you know he's had a massive influence on on my football career and life. Um, you know, not too dissimilar to my father, uh, Tony. So you know, two two men that have you know, obviously two father figures in my life. I, yep. I couldn't be, speak more highly of, of both impact. of them. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very grateful for um, my situation with uh, with him. Yeah, no, it's it's been good. It's nice. Yeah. Could you go home initially in the early days and talk about him to Georgie? So oh, it's been too hard on me. He's yeah, this, I don't agree with this. Nah, I, I was. <laughs> I'm not that type of person anyway, no. so I never really did. But I uh, quickly learned that Georgie was was pretty similar to her old man and pretty ruthless on, especially on the footy side of things. <laughs> really? We, you know, usually you, you date if you're dating a girl, you probably don't think she has as much experience in football compared to yourself. But you know, I. When I started seeing Georgie, I, I learned that you know she'd been in football, AFL football, her whole life. Yeah. Um, and she had a lot of experience, so um, she was pretty quick to correct me on a lot of opinions and yep. theories on football. Yeah. Um, and still does. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about. I've asked some of the other guys when um, they felt that there was a shift between being up here, enjoying footy, having fun. You go through that first year in the AFL, and you're getting smashed every weekend. Like when did it start to shift, and you realised, oh, I don't, want, I don't want to keep losing every week, and yeah. now we're going to stop this. Well, yeah, I didn't want to lose from the start, that's for sure. Um, yeah, it's an interesting question. It was obviously incredibly tough because those first two seasons in 2012 and 2013, we won three games, um, so that was. Um, yeah, really challenging week in, week out to deal with that mentally um, and to sort of see comments and be labelled witch's hats in our first year wasn't ideal, um, wasn't great for the confidence. I, th- I guess it just it got to a point where we accumulated a fair bit of experience. Guys started hitting 50-game marks, milestones, um, started establishing themselves on, on the AFL world. And, yeah, it, it, like it... It just took a bit of time for us to sort of say to ourselves, "Look, we're, enough's enough. We're like we're, we're obviously giving it a hundred percent as it is, but to actually believe that we can um, play well and, and start winning games, um, yeah, it just it, I think it just come through experience and time and and really um, you know sound leadership through um, you know from the from Dave Matthews, CEO, and Tony Shepherd, the chairman." You know, through our coaches, you know, Leon has been been massive in in changing our our beliefs, and through to Callan and, and Phil as well. So, yeah, you know, the more games we started winning, the more confident we got. Um, the better guys started playing. Um, the more time we started, you know, spending with each other. 
um, in Sydney. Sydney obviously become our home. It was starting to become a, a real familiar um, city for us and, and one that we, we enjoy spending our lives at. Yep, so yeah. it was sort of gradual, gradual yeah, process, yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. How have you changed in your time up here, do you think? Well, I had to grow up pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah, yeah, moved up when I was 17 and um, had to become pretty independent you know, because I'm go from seeing friends every day at school and and seeing your your family every day at home to not much at all. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I had to become pretty independent and grow up really quickly, um, and sort of trial and error, you know, things throughout throughout life. And and you know, I'm 25 now, so I like to think that I've come a long way, and I'm you know, I'm pretty um pretty independent and um mature. Um, since uh, since uh, moving up to Sydney, yeah. But you know, you probably say you'd say that for for most of the guys that had to come up here uh, that year, thrown into the unknown. Yeah. What about as a football player? So you start out talented teenager moving up. When I suppose you're trying to establish yourself, you're yeah, very professional, professionally minded. I suppose like so, becoming someone who does all that to get the best out of yourself and to establish yourself and to get to where you want to be, balancing that with what the team's doing and, and becoming a 25-year-old member of the team, one of the senior players, one of the pre-originals, mm. um, and someone who's obviously really important to how the, the team goes. Is there a balance that you've had to strike there over the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, walking into a club, um, yeah, a lot of us obviously had you know aspirations on being you know really good players and and um you know playing in a successful team so it was pretty challenging when sort of the results weren't going your way and you sort of keep losing week in week out finishing on the bottom of the ladder and not playing that well as individuals ourselves so it was really really challenging to to keep rocking up every day to the footy club and still have that belief that it's going to turn and yep. you know that I'm still a good player I'm you know, yeah, football's. You know, you discover that AFL is is pretty pretty bloody hard. hard. Like yeah. in my first year, I tagged, you know, like three or four Brownlow medalists and got towed up every time. So I, you know, <laughs> I was Sheeds yeah. and Mark. They threw us threw us all in the deep end, and and but we had to. You know, that was that was the only way. Yeah, there was no um, alternative, really, was there? Um, yeah, and, and I guess like as a, personally as a player, you know, like I said, I was, I was obviously really dedicated and determined to be the best I can be. Um, and sometimes that was, you know, I lacked balance with football and life. Um, and, and that comes back to me, you know, trial and error through through my career and through my life. I was just trying to find what worked for me. And and there's certainly times there that guys up here, including myself, we we lost a bit of balance and in, in what was sort of going to be sustainable with our football and, and our lives. So I've had to, you know, learn over the years that, um, you know, the balance between football and, and outside of football is incredibly important to your performance and the team's performance. Um, and recently, obviously, just being able to learn and, and discover the importance of mental health and and the importance of having a, you know, a real balanced, balanced uh, approach on 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 football and and you know physically and mentally. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. I suppose you figure it out as you go. Yeah, I mean, there's no one here that had the the answers in a book for us. It was, I don't think anyone really does. And no. I don't want to sound like I've been around for 300 games, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just yeah, it was just trial and error for those first few years, and to see what worked for for you and and 
you know, we're st- I'm still doing it today. Yep. And probably always will. Yep, absolutely. Well, I could talk to you forever, but we've probably run out of time. All right, it went quick. <laughs> it did. So you've had a good time. You've, well, you've already told me, haven't you, that you'd do it all again if you could. Yeah, that's it. Um, and if I, yeah, I, I wish I could go back. And there's not much. I, I just, if I could change one thing, it would be just to absorb it all and enjoy it a lot more. And, and do you just, think you didn't? I, I did. Yeah, I did, but it was but just happening. I did, but yeah. It, yeah, what comes with a, a real intense. You know, kid who wants to be the best he can be. It was there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, and yeah. you know, am I going to get? Am I going to make it? Am I going to be as good as I want to be? Um, so there was a lot of moments there that that I struggled with, um, and you know, you could ask my old man about that because of some phone calls that were pretty hard. Really? To, yeah, to deal with, you know, about where I was at. But um, yeah, I, I just I wish I could go back and and enjoy it more. I wouldn't Smell change the roses anything. a bit. Yeah, exactly, and. Yeah, Sheeds was really big on that at the time, but at at the time it's like you think no, you, know you just it all. want to do everything yeah, that yeah. you can to be better. Yeah. But, but it's right, yeah, just to enjoy it a bit more and, and take it all. You in. were that intense, were you? That yeah, and he still calls me that. Yeah. Does he? So I'm, I'm working on that, but <laughs> it's probably you know one of my greatest strengths, but can be one of my biggest weaknesses. But then if you weren't like that at that age, and would you be who you are now? No, um, no, and I'm not going to apologise for for being yeah. me. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 So um, yep. that's it. Yeah. Excellent. All right. All right. Thank you, Dylan. No, Let's thank talk. you. Yeah, looking forward to the uh, the pre originals series. That's up. That's I'll up be, next. I'll be first up for that one. <laughs> you will. Excellent. Oh, thank, you. thank you. Appreciate it. This has been a Giants Media production. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, share it on social media and tell everyone you know about the originals.